Hi, my name is Megan, and I'm a trans woman. And I'm Nate, assigned male at birth and living a male life. We're going to have a conversation about what it means to live an authentic life. If you're trans, think you might be trans, or know trans people but aren't one yourself, we have something interesting to talk about. Our goal is to normalize talking about the human experience. Welcome to the Transversation. Good morning, Megan. Good morning, Nate. So uh, we brought Vicky in today, and good morning, Vicky. Good morning. Why is it we're bringing Vicky in today? Because we are going to be talking about a somewhat difficult topic called gender dysphoria. Ah, yes. And what might that be? So by definition, it is when there is a difference between a person's assigned sex and their gender identity. Basically, it is when your physical presence or uh, presentation doesn't quite match what you want. It's a little bit nebulous to define just because it's different for each individual person. And it's important to note that while many trans and non-binary folks do experience gender dysphoria, you do not have to in order to be quote-unquote trans or non-binary. Some people don't. I was going to ask about that, too, a little bit, that there are some people that we've talked with that are really happy in finding their thing and saying, wow, that's just my thing over there. And then working toward that. And then other people who are very unhappy with the starting point and looking for a better place. Exactly. And that's kind of along the lines. Really, I'm just going to speak from my experience. I have a fair number of things that can trigger dysphoric or dysphoria, which, I mean, you've seen. When we had Krista do an amazing photo shoot that I don't think anyone's really seen, (laughs) except on our Instagram, which link in the uh, bio. But I had a hard time looking through those photos. I don't really like taking photos of myself because it's not how I picture myself in my head. And Vicky, how have you encountered that kind of thing when working with your clients? People just not lining up with the pictures. Well, a couple of different things, okay? And I'm going to kind of simplify this a little bit because I'm kind of just simple. So it's kind of like, let me get this straight, okay? And please correct me if I'm wrong. Very punny getting it straight. Anyway, continue. <laughs> you like that one. So to an average person on the street, okay, it's kind of like in my opinion, and in my experiences, it's kind of like putting on a pair of shoes that are two sizes too small and trying to live in them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, would you say that's right? Yeah, where it's not, it just doesn't, doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. But you don't know that it doesn't fit because you've been told all your life that this is the way it is. Those shoes are supposed to fit your foot. Yeah. Okay. So I know the example is probably not one you would ever come up with, but if the shoe fits (laughs) exactly right. (laughs) But the thing is, is that people don't know that they can take off those shoes because there's such a fear and a stigma to taking off those shoes and changing shoes that, oh my gosh, wait, I better not. I better just stay miserable. And in my experience with people, some of the people that I've worked with, it was hard to get them to understand that they could get rid of those old shoes, get rid of all of that old stigma, get rid of all those old judgments, because everybody, especially nowadays, I got to tell you, has a label on them, okay? And that label is probably your shoes are too tight. Okay. You know, you're in the wrong shoes. 
But the label, people think that that's defining them. And they think that those shoes are what they have to be. And they don't. They can take all that off. They can change that and wear the shoes and wear what they want to wear that's inside of them, that's in their heart, that's in their their mind, that's in their beliefs, that's in them. I really like this analogy because sometimes when you're experiencing the dysphoria in the moment, you really feel like... Oh, I'm very uncomfortable. I don't like that, whatever. And so having shoes too small, they cut your feet, they cause blisters. All right. They're very uncomfortable. Right. And you just got to take it off. So I just wanted to throw that in there while you were going. So I like that. <laughs> Thank you. And they're right. I mean, it cause, those shoes cause a lot of pain. Absolutely. I mean, right? But people don't know how simple it is to kick those shoes off and throw them away. I mean, they just. This is you, Meg. I see you. Yeah, I I like it. I like this. I mean, they really don't know that they can do that. And the thing is, is that they live in such pain that they get used to the pain. And that's where the problem comes in. Because it's like all of a sudden somebody comes along and (laughs) says, Well, why don't you take off the shoes? Then you kind of go, Uh, duh. Why didn't I think of that? Well, this is all so obvious now. <laughs> why, why couldn't I have come up with this? Why did, right. why did you have to suffer for so long? Right. But you had stories in there, too, where before it was obvious, while the shoes were still not fitting, that you wanted to bring in that were part of this story today. I have voice dysphoria where listening to This all has been of a struggle episodes, for you since the beginning and was one of your major hesitations in even starting this. Absolutely. You know, I've exposure has kind of made it a little bit easier. But yeah, there are many little things or, you know, sometimes... Can I ask a question? Sure. Explain to me voice dysphoria. Is that what you said? Yes. So I use that as a shorthand and perhaps I shouldn't have. So it's gender dysphoria from hearing myself speak. So like when we do playbacks of these episodes, I don't think it's me. Mm-hmm. It's not the way I want to sound, so it's not it's not me. Again, sort of difficult to describe. Okay. And the reason I'm asking, okay, is because how do you think that you sound? I am tone deaf. Okay, so... <laughs> she is one of the 4% of the population that has a really difficult time hearing pitch and tone. Yeah, I have, I have no clue. But I have been told many times, and on the phone... I constantly am told that I sound like a man. Hi, Nate. You've had the hi, Nate way too many times. Everybody says, hi, Nate. How you doing? Great. This is Vicky. Oh, okay. When I was younger, went out to dinner with a guy. He told me that I had to be. Tell the story, Vicky. This is a good story. So I was an auctioneer. Okay. And I worked for the auction company for years. And this gentleman was at different auctions. And one night I said, I'm going to dinner. And this guy said, well, can I go with you? I said, sure. You know, so we go out to dinner. We're sitting at dinner. And he says to me, now you have to remember that this is way back 40 years ago. Okay. And I have no clue at anything in life. Okay. I'm a punk kid. All right. (laughs) Okay. And he says to me, you know, it's okay. You can tell me the truth. And I'm going, what are you talking about? What, what, what are you talking about? He said, it's really okay. You can tell me the truth. I know the truth. And I said, really? What's the truth? And he said, well, I know that you've had an operation and that you used to be a man. And I said, excuse me? 
you know, first of all, even if I have, I don't know you. So what the heck? Okay. Second of all, I said, and what makes you think this? Very calm in the moment. I was. I, you know, because I don't know. And so he says, well, a couple things. The size of my hands. He said, your voice and the way you walk. And I went, wow. So for all of our listeners who are trying to be apparently more female, it's that easy. (laughs) <laughs> That's all you got to do. Podcast is over. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Yeah. Just the level of like. Right. And I mean, unfortunately, the story goes on and he called my boss the next day because I got up and I said, look, you know, I have two kids. I'm female. I don't care if you think I'm a male, but I'm out of here because I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. Just ditch all the transphobes. <laughs> Anybody See, just leave, cut them out of your life. <laughs> Well, I didn't know they were called that, but... They probably weren't at the time. Probably but not. But, but now they are. But yeah. they are now. I see. Well, okay, so that was but a, he that, was a jerk. But that is the dysphoria thing. And that kind of situation can elicit minor response, just general shock, or cut you down to the core. It can. Exactly right. And you don't even have to be trans or non-binary to experience gender dysphoria. It could be, you know, in that story, let's say your hand size did really bother you. And like, that was something that, you know, in this hypothetical, that was something that you could potentially have felt dysphoric about. But, you know, obviously you don't. (laughs) But, you know, anybody could. Kind of one of the things that I wanted to bring up was what are ways to, when you're feeling like that or fixating on the size of your hands, the pitch of your voice, whether it's deep or too high or, you know, like the shape of your body for trans men tend to not like the size of their hips. Uh, Neither do women. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't like the size of my hips. So let's. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So, like, what are, you know, ways that could help? people kind of deal with those. And to dial it back one level, bigger picture, there are many people that you deal with, Vicky, I know that are not with the gender component of it, but very unhappy with their appearance. Either their hips are too big, their shoulders are too small, they're too tall, they're too short. You deal with a number of people who are very unhappy with their facial features. Yes. And that's a very real thing, though not specifically related to gender. The emotions internally are very similar. Oh yeah, I would imagine are very, very similar. They are. And we work on sessions about that, trying to get people to really accept that part of them. And so then accept the whole. And the thing is, is if you break it down into facts, for instance, okay, take this guy. I don't have a problem with it. My hand is huge. Okay. And I'm okay with that. And by huge, I don't know that your hands are really cartoonishly huge. This, know, is, but... this is a radio podcast kind of thing. <laughs> you don't wear giant Mickey Mouse clown hands. Well, I don't. You, you fit normal size gloves. <laughs> I do. Just for anybody yeah, listening my, at home. I have long fingers, but okay. you know. The thing is, is that if you deal with it as a fact, take away the emotion, then you can either accept it or you can change it. Now, there is no way I can change my hand size that I want to do. Yeah, I was like, I don't think there's any surgical options no, or anything and, like and that. And Megan, whatever you change in your life, your shoulders and bone structure are your shoulders and bone structure. No matter what else, that's a fact that that is an unchangeable fact. Right. At least with the current level of technology. Well, for the, the immediate future of your life, it is a fact with which you must deal. But if you deal in the fact and you take the emotion out of it, it's easier to accept it. Because you accept the fact that the sky is blue, Right. 
If somebody comes up to you and says, sky's green, you're going to go, yeah, right. Yeah, whoa, back up. Please define green. (laughs) (laughs) That would be my response. (laughs) It would would be yours. Right, (laughs) it would be. And you can also say, well, if you deal in facts about, you mentioned your voice. Well, define what that voice is supposed to sound like, right? Because if you deal with it in facts, then it's easier to change it. Yeah. Because one of the things that's in the trans community, and I know, again, specifically for trans women, there's a level of, I guess, grief, almost. Although there is a completely side tangent, there is a trans woman on a uterine transplant list. But it's very unlikely that I'm going to have enough money, the science is going to come far enough, where I'm going to be able to carry a child. And I have to be okay with that. And that is, unfortunately, a hard fact. Part of the process of me dealing with that was, you know, a period of, like, being really sad about it and then kind of moving forward. I think that sums up the shoes. Go back to the shoes for a minute. I mean, the fact is, people get attached to the shoes that don't fit. And there is a certain amount of grieving when you finally take them off and you have to get rid of those shoes because it's something that most people have had for 10 years, call it 20 years, call it 40 years. They have had those shoes. They've had that identity. They've had that stigma. They've had whatever it is for a long period of time. And once they get rid of it, that grieving has to happen before they can accept it. So I just want to acknowledge that to all of the people out there. Like, you know, grieving and being sad about a particular thing is part of the process. It's it not, is. it's totally normal for you to yes. like experience that. Yes. Cool. And another aspect of the work that we do outside of podcasting is that so much of what people's struggles are are coming up against expectations, unrealistic, but seemingly real expectations. Expectations is exactly right, but not only expectations of others, but of yourself. That's exactly what I meant. Yes. For example, on the spectrum, we're going to pretend you're not in the room for the moment, Megan. The scale of masculinity to femininity is very vast, but your specific idea, Megan, of what feminine is, is one exact specific thing and is not wherever you are on that scale. Whatever dysphoria you may have is somewhere other than the scale where all other people exist, to that one small idea of exactly what you want that may or may not be achievable to varying different degrees. So in a lot of ways, and I'm trying to understand this, dysphoria, it's not black or white. It's a long spectrum of gray. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not only dysphoria in the whole package, but it's of different areas, so to speak. Yeah, it certainly can be. I mean, obviously, it it varies person to person, just like, you know, everything does. (laughs) But, you know, you're dysphoric about your hand size. You're dysphoric about your overall height, your hair length. So for my stupidity or whatever you want to call it, but what's the actual definition of dysphoria? It would be... What I have is there being a difference between a person's assigned biological sex and their gender identity that causes mental stress around a particular body part or feature. Okay. That's what I wanted to know what the definition was. I mean, because it could be as 
in the gray areas as much of I don't like it as I don't feel comfortable in it. Versus I absolutely loathe it, which is also on the scale. Right. Oh, yeah, it's on the scale. But I'm just trying to kind of get that, again, it's not that I don't like those shoes. It's that I don't fit right in those shoes. It's a combination of kind of everything along that spectrum. To break it down for the healthy approach, recognizing that everybody in life is in transition. I'd like to be in better shape. Everybody's in a transition going somewhere. But the way to then break this down is accept the things that are and then to change the things that are changeable while at the same time accepting that they're not perfect yet and that that's okay. Correct. Because the thing is, is that in each and every one of us, we are perfect. I mean, there is not another Megan that is more perfect than Megan. Okay. I could not be Megan. No. Okay. And I could not be a more perfect Megan. I just, I can't do it. So there is no one alive that can be a more perfect Megan than Megan. I think this calls back to our uh, very first episode. We were talking about identity and labels. And it was like, the more narrow you get, there's just a box for everybody. And this is your individual Megan box. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly right. And that box is perfect. Whether it has four sides, six sides, or eight, or seven, it doesn't matter. It's still perfect. And that's what we have to realize. And that's why sometimes it's very frustrating to deal with the public, because if we're all that perfect, then what's the problem? Why can't we just accept it? Why are we ever giving anybody else a hard time? Exactly right. We're all working on our own stuff. We're all in this together. Uh Uh-huh. We all have those wrong size shoes, and one of these days, somebody else will come along and want that size shoes because they're too small for me. You can have them. I don't want them. (laughs) Right. Well, they certainly don't fit. Right. Exactly right. And the sad part is, is that everybody threw their shoes in the pile. And then we all got the wrong shoes. And we'd all have the wrong shoes. And it would be great because we'd all be happy. Well, because we all recognize we've all got the wrong shoes and we'd all be actually working together to help each other find the right shoes and it'll be fine. Exactly right. Well, and then let's kind of wrap this one up. Since we're all trying to find the right size shoes for everybody, what do we think some ways someone can be an ally to someone who's experiencing that dysphoria? That's a really good question. Number one, it's really good, I think, that first of all, in our own selves, we recognize that. We recognize what we don't like, what we don't accept, and what shoes we've got on and that we don't want on anymore. Once we've done that, I think it's easier to ask for support. And I know that, unfortunately, as I have learned from both of you, that there is just not a support system out there. And that's where we need to make it so that there is. Because even if you have one other person that accepts you, just for you, just one person, that's the beginning of the support system. And you've got to really be thankful for the people that do accept you for who you are. Doesn't matter who you are, but be thankful for that. Because once you're thankful for one, more are going to come in. And that's kind of really similar to what in the LGBT community, that's building our community. That's building community, building that support system that we all kind of work together to do, especially again, you know, as you said, it's not everywhere. And so we got to have to make it. Exactly right. But it's interesting to me to sit on in these podcasts, and I have to thank you both for having me here. But it's interesting because... And I don't want to diminish your issues or not issues or 
whatever. But it's like we all have the same issues. <laughs> you know? It's almost like we're all people right. just trying to navigate the universe. <laughs> exactly right. I don't know what it is. But, you know, you talk about you, know, you don't like your voice or you have, and I don't know if it's yours or not, but, you know, problems with your hips. And I'm thinking, yeah, I got problems with mine. Mine are too big. Mine are too small. <laughs> oh, well, see, there you go. <laughs> but it's like we all just need to have a little patience. And bottom line, a little kindness. Put on somebody else's pair of shoes for a minute, even though they're tight. Put them on. And ultimately, what it comes down to is we're all in the same quest to find out what it is, live our authentic selves, live our best lives. And the more accepting I can be of myself, the more accepting I can be of you or you or anybody else. But if I am busy rejecting all of these internal things, I can only ever superficially accept that in anybody else either. And... All of this life quest is ultimately to look within, find the most meaningful, best, authentic selves that we can find and share that. And I think that that's what a lot of these things are that we're doing both in Mindset Team and in our podcast. Absolutely. And it comes down to mutual respect, bottom line. I've got to respect myself and then I can respect you and then it is mutual. Mm -hmm. Did you have any other uh, follow-up questions or, or things you wanted to end with, Megan? Just to uh, thank Vicky for coming on again, and we look forward to having you again. Oh, I will love these. I mean, I do like sitting here talking to you. It's fun to talk to you guys about everything. <laughs> so thank you for having me. Thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by our patrons at Patreon, Mark, Allen, Rose, Bodil. These episodes would not be possible to create without the support of our generous patrons. If you'd like to be a patron, please follow the link in the description and sign up. Thank you.